Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're continuing our monthly series on how I found my Great Loop boat. And for those of you who follow us on social media, YouTube, whatever it might be, we've got some familiar guests for you because David and Amy Doidle from Sail Away, sorry, I always stumble over that for some reason, Sail Away is their boat name. And they're going to join us today and tell us a little bit more about their boat and how they chose this specific boat for their Great Loop. So before we jump into the conversation, as always, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. So... With the introduction out of the way, I want to go ahead and officially introduce David and Amy. David, Amy, thank you for joining me. Well, Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes, and, and as I said, they're probably familiar to some of you because they have been our guests for Docktails in the past and shared a lot about their Great Loop adventure during that session. But today we want to talk a little bit more about how they found the boat and um we had reached out to some of our sponsors and said, you know, tell us somebody who's got a neat story about how they found their boat. And it was actually uh, Brian Donovan from Shady Harbor Marina said, oh, you got to talk to Amy and David. Everybody loves Amy and David. They're great. Um, <laughs> so here we are. So we welcome you back. Oh, um, so let's Brian. Start. Yeah, he's a hoot. <laughs> and he's a great supporter of AGLCA. So Let's you know start from the beginning for those who maybe didn't see the Docktails episode and tell us what kind of boat you have. Uh, we have a well, we had a 1980 36 foot Alvin trawler, a single uh, Ford Lehman 120, and we just loved it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. It was a phenomenal boat to travel with. Uh, we were lucky to find it. Uh, and we do, we have to thank Brian for uh, all of his uh, help along the way. Yeah, we were lucky to find it because just before we looked at it, I had said, I am done looking at trawlers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I kind of want to jump into that story because, you know, everybody starts their Great Loop boat somewhere. And I know you were particularly interested in trawlers. So um, tell us, first of all, Gosh, where to start with you two? <laughs> so many details. Um, tell us, first of all, because we can tell that you're on a boat, but that is not your Albin. So where are you today? What's your boat now? <laughs> uh, we're in Ottawa, mm-hmm. Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. In the midst of the Triangle Loop. Uh, we're halfway through, and we're on our way back to Lake Champlain uh, to head back down to Donovan Shady Harbor. So, But we are on Chuasula Boat Oh, we're on a 44-foot high star sun deck trawl and she is your new to you boat correct uh we bought this boat after we completed the loop last year um when we were halfway through the loop we decided we wanted to live on a boat full time and if we were going to do that we had uh, three things that we must have for long-term living uh, something to replace our house rather than just something to cruise with for 10,000 miles. Because this is our house 
we don't own our you know, dirt home anymore. Right. So we needed something like, I wanted a cottage on the water. And you, you got, got that. Yeah, there you go. So let's talk about your looping boat, your Albin trawler. Um, how long did you have the boat? Three years. Almost, almost three years. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when you selected that for the loop, you know, you mentioned you don't have a dirt home and now you've upgraded to have something that's got a little bit more room to kind of replace the home. So when you picked the 36 foot Albin, what was your plan? Was it to do the loop and then go back to your dirt house? You know, what were you thinking when you picked out a 36 foot? Well, uh, we weren't even thinking about doing the loop when we bought the Albin trawler. Mm -hmm. And it was Brian that actually planted the seed in us. He kept on talking about loopers. And I'm like, what are these, who are these types of people? <laughs> what, Brian, what are loopers? So mm -hmm. we, we it's his bought, fault. Yeah, we bought the, <laughs> bought the boat from him uh, in October and ended up leaving it down at Donovan Shady Harbor for the winter. Uh, splashed it the next spring during the pig roast and took it back up to Lake Champlain mm -hmm. and had it on Lake Champlain for a year. Uh, I was still working. Amy was working. And, and we still owned our home at that point. We were just weekend boaters, long weekend boaters. We took a week here or there. But Lake Champlain, that was our home. And um, where we got used to, to operating a diesel, single engine, larger boat. And, um, and then because Brian put this great loop idea <laughs> in our in our heads i i think david was like he grabbed on to doing the great loop pretty much right away i was still in work mode and had anticipated working another i don't know five to ten years at that point i was still in work mode the mm -hmm. first year yeah. we be on, so. so you're you're um quest for that perfect boat then since it wasn't specifically for the great loop originally um but your kind of your 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 list of, of features you were looking for is actually still pretty similar to many loopers which may be why brian said oh you're you you need to do the loop um but you know tell us what you set out to find i know you said you liked the classic look of a trawler so tell us a little bit more about that and what features you wanted to make sure you had because you were thinking more towards week-long or weekend cruising um, well, we're, uh, very visual people mm -hmm. and, uh, the first time we even considered getting a trail, uh, trawler instead of, a you know, go fast boat, uh, Amy saw one coming around the corner at an anchorage on Lake Champlain and her eyes lit up and she goes, here comes my dream boat. <laughs> and it's just the, the classic lines. And it was that happened to be a it was a 36 Grand Banks mm -hmm. um, Europa, but that look was a little bit of teak, and I don't know. I just love the lines of it. It's it looks more. Um, it's not. It doesn't look like the brand new you know boats that you see. Just yeah, yeah visually like a fishing boat. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So. What were some of the things in the boat that were important to you? You know, was um, the, the year of the boat? Was it how much maintenance you would have to do? Was it the living quarters? Was it, uh, you know, um, what kind of, was whether it was 
ready for rough water? What were the, the kind of cruising that you expected to do that you wanted in your, your, and for Amy's <laughs> visual taste for a trawler? <laughs> okay. Had to look good and then. <laughs> so to continue on, when this trawler came around the corner, um, I started staring at it. And Amy told me not to stare. <laughs> and so I put my kayak in the water and I went and paddled around the boat. And the guy was looking at me and I said, well, my wife told me I could been staring at your boat. So I thought I'd just come over here and check it out casually. And he invited me on. Uh, he showed me just the living space uh, and the comfort of a trawl. And somewhere along the conversation, he said, and, and my eyes were going, you know, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> and he goes, if I can afford this boat, anybody can afford this boat. And I looked at him and he said, no, seriously. And that's when we went home and we started uh, looking on the internet for pricing on used trawlers. Mm-hmm. So that was probably our number one yeah. was like, it had to be within our budget. And, but it also had to be seaworthy. We wanted something that we were going to be safe on as well. Mm-hmm. So those two big priorities, you know, something that's in our budget, which wasn't huge and um, something that was seaworthy that we could, you know, trust being in. So, and, look, and the living space. So, and there are lots of people on, you know, none of us or a few of us have an unlimited budget for selecting that great loop boat. So for those who, um, you know, have what they would deem a smaller budget and are still maintaining their dirt home, which is of course an added expense. Um, you know, was there kind of a, um, you know, I don't know how much you want to share about what your budget was, but was there um, a length overall that seemed to fit within that you would suggest people on a tighter budget look at? And was there an age of the boat? We know you you wound up with a 1980 36-footer. You know, is that kind of the sweet spot that you found? Or was there, is that just, this happened to be a sweet spot for this particular boat? It, it was the sweetest spot you could possibly <laughs> It, uh, when we first started to look at boats, we were fortunate to have a very good friend who's uh, a surveyor for boats. And he gave us some tips. Um, one is, you know, the length of the boat and the size of the boat is going to determine the expenses of the boat, uh, both lifting it, uh, bottom paint, uh, maintenance, dockage. And he said, you know, that, that 36 to 38 foot for a couple is, you know, like, that's the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, where we started looking. And he also told us that uh, the prices of listed boats, don't, don't limit your search to the listed price of the boat. Go 50 to 100% higher. Find the boat that you want. Make an offer. It's you feel comfortable with for that boat and go from there. Uh-huh. That's, so, that's what, so what was our budget? Would you say was it about 25? Is that what no, we I think it, it was like 30, 30? 35 was, uh-huh. you know, the max. That's what it was. 35 was the max. So we were looking at boats that might've been $60,000, uh-huh. even though we weren't going to pay that much for a boat. We knew that we knew that you can always make an offer and, all they can say is no. Right. right. And I do want to just remind 
those listening that this was probably 2016, 2017-ish around there. Oh, yes. It was before COVID. So it's a little bit of a different boat market now. Yeah. Uh, and there, yeah. there certainly are still deals to be had. And there certainly is uh, some negotiation that can be done. But it was a very different market then. And right now the inventory is so low of boats for sale that it really has become a seller's market where three, four or five years ago was a little bit more of a buyer's market. So two of you bought at a great time. (laughs) And we did. But also just as an aside, Kim, Mm -hmm. you know, we bought this boat, the High Star that we're on now, a year ago in August. And just I'll just explain briefly. We saw this boat because it was on my list of boats that we might be interested in. But the price was so low, I thought it's going to be not anything we're interested in. Mm-hmm. But David saw the price. He's like, let's call that That's one. The one. <laughs> so, we're all over that one. <laughs> so we called, and it was in great shape. It's just that the owners haven't been on it in a year. They were in Florida. It was in Boston. It was on the hard, had been on the hard, and the pictures looked pretty nasty. But when we saw it, we made an offer the next day and then uh, uh, we ended up buying it after a survey, but they upped the price. Well, they did. The, the, um, the owners accepted our offer. And as soon as the broker had the signed purchase, uh, and, sale. purchase and sales from both of us, he, he listed the boat as under contract. Pending. Uh, sale pending, but he also put the price up $30,000 in case ours fell, fell through. Yeah. Ah, he could gotcha. be now, now be, you know. So that was, we learned that lesson. It's like, if you're even interested, make an offer because, you know, you always have Never to go know. to this. So how long ago, did, you have sold the trawler, correct? The 36-footer. The yes. Yes, we have. <laughs> and that and was the, a, a recent thing, I'm guessing, by Amy's Happy Dance. <laughs> <laughs> it was July, right? Um, at yeah. the pig roast. Ah, <laughs> so there you go. The pig roast. It's a good time. Yep. It is a good time, for sure. Um, uh, so... I do. I want to talk a little bit more about the features of the boat, but since we're kind of talking, um, you know, about buying and selling and how you switched boats, um, when you sold, um, because it was a 1980 boat, did that, because we hear all kinds of things about um, it's harder to get financing for an older boat and it's harder to get insurance. Um, insurance. And so some folks shy away a little bit from buying an older boat, knowing that at some point they will have to sell it and will, will it limit their pool of buyers to buy it from them when it comes time to sell if it's an older boat. So did you experience any trouble with the sale because of the age of the boat? No, not for those reasons. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the family that ended up buying it uh, bought it for cash as is. Mm-hmm. And they, they were very um, devious when they made the offer. <laughs> They texted us with an offer and attached a picture of their 10-year-old daughter sitting at the helm with the biggest (laughs) grin on her face. (laughs) And said, you accept this offer. And it was like, how How do you not? (laughs) Yeah. And and they are just, yeah. I that was when other people were looking at the boat though, the insurance um, I think was a could have been a hurdle for some people. 
Yeah, sure. and, and there's a lot of factors that go into that, of course. But yeah. um, the older boats in this challenging insurance market, um, certainly, you know, it's, it's almost one strike against it. And that doesn't necessarily mean you can't get it insured, but it, it limits the right. companies who will give the insurance. So when you were first shopping, um, looking in that, you know, sweet spot, 36 to 38 foot range, what were some of the things um, that you wanted to have aboard uh, for living quarters, for comfort on the boat? Um, what were some of your must-haves and did you get them in the 36-foot Albin? A head, a galley, and a bed. <laughs> the basics. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't very picky. Well, and it probably makes a difference that you weren't at that time thinking about looping. Um, so you right. weren't looking at truly living aboard. Long you were looking term. for, you know, weeks at a time. So you did end up looping. Um, and did you find that there were any creature comforts that you wish you had had that your boat didn't have because you bought it without that in mind? Well, Amy always wanted a dishwasher. <laughs> no. <laughs> we never had one in our house. No. Actually, the as far as the galley and the Albin, it had an electric stove and an oven and, you know, a small refrigerator that we replaced, it was, that was fine. I think one of the creature comforts that we were looking for that we didn't have on the Albin was uh, a walk around bed. So it was, the bed is in the aft um, cabin and it was up to one side. So, which meant someone's got to crawl over somebody. Right. So, but you, you know, was, there's, there are much larger boats that have that same problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, and it, it's something I think a lot of folks don't think about until they are actually in the situation of climbing over each other to get it in and out of the bed. So um, yeah, I can understand that creature comfort wanting to have that um, and something you're doing long-term. Um, so the bed, the bed yeah. that we had was, was perfectly adequate for the, um, for the time that we had it. Mm -hmm. um, I knew five years from now, my knees wouldn't be able to, <laughs> you know, climb over Amy anymore to, to get on my side of the bed. Uh, so you always are looking towards the, the future. Right. So when you actually set out to find the boat, again, without the loop in mind, but you were looking for a trawler, you had been told that sweet spot was likely, you know, a 36 to 38 footer. Um, now you didn't use a broker. So for those who are out there and are budget conscious and are thinking, you know, where do I start? How do I find the one? Tell us how you found the one. I set out a, uh, uh, a distance parameter of 500 miles from our home. Mm -hmm. And I, every boat that popped up that was in that 36 foot, you know, 38 foot range with a diesel engine. Uh, I, I go to see three boats a weekend and just drive and, and look at them, go through them, mix them, you know, mix them, mix them. Uh -huh. uh, we use mostly um, like Yacht World or Yacht World, Boat Trader, Boat Trader all, all yeah. the different online sources for used boats. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, we did find a boat out in. We bought this from Brian down in Albany, New York, just south of Albany. Uh, the weekend prior to that, I looked at a 36-foot album out in Sodas Point, New York, on Lake Ontario, just west of Oswego, 
that the brokerage said uh, there was an offer made on the boat that was accepted, but he didn't have a deposit on it yet. So I left a, a check with a friend of mine in, in that town and said, take this down to the broker tomorrow in case the check's not in the mail. Uh, but the check, the, that boat was sold. Uh, and the people that bought it ended up being good friends of ours. And they're harbor hosts for AGLCA out in St. Oh, Joe. St. Joe. Nice. Right. Yeah. So, again, a little bit of a different time um, because you had the luxury of going to different areas and checking different boats. Right now, it's, exactly. they're selling so fast that that's a challenge for many. Um, and at some point, the pendulum will swing back and it will be, you know, back to where you can breathe a little bit before you have to go and, and hop on the boat and see the boat. Um, so having that luxury of the time to, you know, take that three to 500 mile radius and look at the boats and your parameters in there, how much time did you spend looking? You know, once you seriously started the search and started getting on boats, how long did it take until you found yours? Uh, I'm thinking it was two months to find that boat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I'll tell you, I think the stars just aligned for us uh, when we got it. Uh, but we, we were at it, like we were looking full time. Mm -hmm. We were looking a lot. David was traveling a lot to look at boats and um, yeah. Yeah. So that for those who are looking, who are on a budget and, and trying to be very conscious of what they're spending, um, when you start to look at the older boats, did you have concerns about maintenance issues? Um, and is that something that you feel comfortable handling? So it wasn't, you know, something you were really worried about. We yeah. were so dumb and blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we this probably, we were probably more unconventional than most people doing this. And we weren't thoughtless, but I mean, honestly, when we went out to, to we rode, you know, they took us for a ride on the boat the first time. And, you know, the, it overheated. We had to shut the boat down. It was pretty much a disaster. Mm -hmm. But we got back to the dock and, uh, and I'm not saying this is the way you should buy a boat. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this is the way it happened for us. We got back to the dock. Uh, you couldn't open the refrigerator because it had swollen. It was old and it had swollen up over the course of years. We finally pried the door open, and there were two cans of Jenny Cream Ale in the refrigerator. <laughs> well, Amy's mom drank Jenny Cream Ales. Yeah. She's the only I'm person like, I know who drank it. That is so strange. I've never seen those beers for like 40, like, yeah, 30 years. And we just looked at each other and looked at Brian and said, you know, Brian, let's go back and start the paperwork. So yeah. The boat floats and the engine runs. Mm -hmm. Not very well. But <laughs> David, David is quite handy. He's done a lot of the work himself, which is really important um, because it would have it could have cost us so much more money um, if we had had to source that out elsewhere. So, he and I think a that's lot. the thing. Yeah, I think that's the thing to be cognizant of for those listening or watching who are looking <laughs> at older boats is if you don't have the skills to do a lot of the work yourself spending a little more on the upfront purchase may in the end save you some. So it's great that, that David had the skills and the confidence and the ability to do some of that work on the boat. But did you budget, you know, you had your boat buying budget, but did you have a certain amount budgeted towards 
repairs or maintenance in the event that, that it, because it was a little bit of an older boat, you know, uh, things happen I, even with newer boats. We went with the, uh, I guess it's, it's a common percentage of 10% of the purchase price. Per year. Uh, per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and did it come and, close to that for you on the loop? Did you even calculate that? Uh, Not everyone does. Well, with, with upgrades, it, it was probably pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's good information. There, there were some, uh, I don't think there were any safety issues that we had to address, but they were comfortable. Mm-hmm. It needed a new windlass, it needed a new refrigerator. Um, yeah, that's not too bad. A, no. new, a new anchor. Mm-hmm. If you had to pay for um, YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been our... That would have killed our budget for repairs because he spent so much time, even before we bought the boat, watching YouTube uh, people that were doing it themselves, you yep. know, and on websites that had forums for this kind of work. So Yeah, it's a great resource. There's a lot of people yeah. who know their stuff on YouTube that are willing to uh, share it. So that's great. We have been chatting away and I have not yet taken a break to play a message from one of our sponsors. So I'm going to go ahead and do that and we'll come back with a couple of final questions for you before we wrap up. So we'll be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud Admiral sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are David and Amy. They are aboard, aboard Sail Away. And uh, they are actually still aboard Sail Away, even though the one that they're sitting on today with us is not the original, um, the 36-foot Albin trawler that they use for the Great Loop that we've been mostly talking about today. Um, as they mentioned, they have since upgraded because they are true liveaboards now and had bought the original 36-footer, not with the idea of even looping, let alone full-time living aboard. Um, so you are uh, just a because it's an interesting tidbit, you are currently in Canada um, doing the Triangle Loop. And for a pretty good long time, we weren't sure that was going to be possible this season. And then sadly for our Canadian members, it still is not possible for them to cross the border into the U.S. But you are enjoying the Triangle Loop. So just give a, a quick, for those who aren't familiar with it, an overview of what the Triangle is. And then just tell us where you are today. Can we do that? Sure. Are you sure? Absolutely. Okay, you can add. <laughs> well, we started in Burlington, Vermont, on Lake Champlain. So the Triangle Loop, of course, you can start anywhere, but that's where we started. We you were doing it in a clockwise um, direction. So from Burlington, we headed south, went down the Champlain Canal to Waterford, took a right onto the Erie Canal. Um, It was just perfect timing for um, turning right again onto the Oswego Canal, which had been closed for about two weeks. And we ended up in Lake Ontario. Um, From Lake Ontario, normally you would just cross over to Cape Vincent or Kingston um, near the, on the uh, St. Lawrence River. We did a little bit of um, a side trip there on Lake Ontario before we did that. And we spent some time in the Thousand Islands. Um, from there, we uh, went over, then we crossed into Canada at Kingston. 
actually Gananoque. Grew up Gananoque and mm-hmm. went into Kingston and you go up the uh, Rideau Canal. Which is beautiful. Just gorgeous. From everything we hear about the Trent Severn, we haven't done that yet. It is just as gorgeous. Uh, the point towns, uh, the locks, uh, the scenery. And that brings you up to Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. Where we are right now. Uh, and that's at the junction of uh, the Rideau and the Ottawa River. Then you take the Ottawa River to Montreal. Montreal, you go down the St. Lawrence to Sorel, uh, come down the Richelieu River in, back into Lake Champlain. Yeah. And it's a total of like 49 locks. Yep. It's an amazing Great Loop side trip. Lots of loopers do that either before or after the Great Loop because you are going through some of the, the beautiful historic Canadian cities and the Thousand Islands, which is beautiful cruising ground. So I'm so excited that you got to do it this year and that Canada opened kindly their borders for U.S. citizens to come through. The Rito um, actually is pretty shallow in some spots. Is that correct? And, and what do you draw on your new boat? Well, on paper, it says three six. Uh, we say it's four foot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Parks Canada, which operates the Rideau uh, Canal, they guarantee five feet. Mm-hmm. And we did see some places that, you know, we're pushing five foot. Uh, our depth meter said, you know, like four six, four three in some places, but it was mm-hmm. pretty weedy. So it's Kind of hard to tell. We never kicked up any mud. We never had any issues, but you must stay in the marked channel for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely a wonderful side trip, um, but because of the, the depth, not possible for some looper boats. So that's why whenever we talk about it, I like to talk a little bit about the depth because um, I don't want somebody to get their heart set on doing that and then start to do their due diligence and find out it's not possible for them. So thanks for sharing. But And this is, that. you know, it's a, this is a 44 foot boat and it seems kind of big for that waterway, but uh, it was fine. Yeah. And there's also a couple of fixed bridges at 22 feet. Yes, good to know. Good to know. Anything um, about your search for your Great Loop boat, even though at the time you didn't know that's what you were searching for, but anything I haven't asked about that, you know, any advice you would give to somebody who's out there looking now yeah. for a boat? Yeah, on the, uh, with the older boats, uh, which is what we're looking for, so that, uh, there's always a lot of gives and takes. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm not a fan of electronic computerized stuff on boats. Uh, so the older boats that have simpler engines, naturally aspirated, uh, you know, it's something that I can fix mm-hmm. with a hammer and <laughs> bail and twine. <laughs> That's kind of, um, but that made it a lot easier for us not to have to worry about any of the complicated electronic issues mm-hmm. um, or, or things that I couldn't fix myself. Yeah. And, and couldn't again, afford to, yeah, couldn't afford to pay somebody else. To fix. <laughs> and again, the, D, the DIY aspect is, is huge. Um, uh, you know, kudos to you for having mm-hmm. the skills and knowledge to take care of a lot of those things and, and it helps to keep things on budget. So that's great information. Any I think, thoughts um, from you, Amy? From, from my perspective, I wasn't thinking this, so much beforehand. I was, but I didn't understand it. Um, but the Elbin had a, I think it's called a semi-displacement hull. And I don't know, I felt um, 
felt safe in that boat and that it wasn't, it didn't move a lot in the water when you're standing still. Um, and it just being on other boats since then, um, I've noticed some boats are just kind of lighter or not quite as solid in the water as maybe some of those older semi-displacement hull boats. Mm-hmm. That I'm so glad that that was something that um, the Albin provided for us was I just felt stable in the water with that boat. And that's, that's a good point because um, not something that's immediately apparent when you are boarding boats, especially obviously if you're sitting at a dock. So good thing but to now, what, consider and look when I'm on one. When I'm on one now, I realize it's like, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> want this. <laughs> Amy and David, yeah, anything else you wanted to we add? Did not want, we did not want to sell the album. <laughs> yeah, we still, that's our heart boat. Like, yeah. if we ever have to go back to that, a boat, like, we'll look for that boat again because we loved it that much. Oh, that's so good to hear. I love when we hear from somebody who um, found a deal on a boat, who had a budget, <laughs> was able to stick with it. And it was perfect for them, you know, no sacrifices because of budget and, and love to hear that. So David and Amy, seal away. I always say that wrong. I think it's because of the sail way away. Spell, but it's sail, away. sail away. Sail away. <laughs> and I do after, actually, I get that song in my head after I see your boat name, but it's spelled for those of you who are wondering why I keep stumbling over something as simple as sail away. It is spelled S-E-L-A-H. Yes. So sail away but the yes. spelling is a little bit different. And we, we talked in our DocTales about where that name came from. And it's a really neat story. So if you're interested in that, check out our DocTales, which is on YouTube and on our Facebook, I believe, with David and Amy, because we talked at length about the boat name, Sail Away. <laughs> I got it that time. <laughs> Good job. So thank you both. I appreciate you being here. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And um, we hope to have you back again at some point down the road. Great. Thanks, and Kim. Thanks for everything you do for us and for the AGLCA. Yeah. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. It's a lot of fun. We appreciate and, it. Uh, you are so welcome. And to our viewers and listeners, thanks for joining us once again on Great Loop Radio. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, safe cruising. 